As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome to the Can't Wait Podcast presented by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. The regular season is finally here. The start of the Robert Sala, Zach Wilson era, five days away. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Thanks for checking us out, whether you're doing it live with your coffee this morning on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify and Apple, please leave us a five-star review. Say some nice things about us. We like that. All right. Lots to get to. We're going to take a look at the final Jets roster. Of course, Zach versus Sam is going to dominate a lot of this podcast. Um, and what to expect from Robert Sala in game number one for him. We did have to pry Connor away from his Madden Jets season to talk about the real team. And my fear, Connor, is that your Madden Jets may end up being better than the real Jets. They might. You know, I gave it a shot. I'm actually like, so I took, obviously, I think you guys know, and I don't think a, a Madden talk will... Uh, make people too angry i mean it's still jets related and we're still talking sure it'll about make that. some people angry a hundred percent it's every it's like uh, yeah but at this point like you know what the show is about you know what the show is if you like the friendly banter and you like the sometimes bs you keep tuning in if you don't you leave a nasty comment and leave so it's like you know it is what it is but i actually did decide to give this madden a, a chance like to give this this madden a shot um I took last year off because I just couldn't do it anymore. I mean, like the the everything that, that this game has become and just the laziness that EA Sports has um embraced. not a sponsor, thank Almost. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I'm gonna find out like next week and you guys be like, Oh, Madden's <laughs> great. Uh, but like the laziness of EA Sports just finally got to me last year. Like I, I played the game, I bought the game every year at midnight. I got my first Madden when I got my first Xbox in two thousand and two. And then from 2003 on, I, I got it at midnight release every single year. I mean, I remember going to the mall with my mom in 2003, finding out the new Madden's coming out. And the, the guy who worked at GameStop telling me about how, like, oh, my God, this year you're going to see grass stains on their pants and being like, oh, my God, grass stains. Right. And so, like, I bought it every year. But just how bad it's gotten and how lazy EA Sports has gotten and the corners that they've cut and how you can look at games like MLB The Show on the PlayStation. You can look at. 2k basketball and you're gonna have that game plays that game works and even the little kinks and things that people don't like about those games it still just blows away what madden is and what madden has been 
that when I read the reviews off of the game last year and I saw how little they touched franchise mode, which is everything that I played, that's when I decided, like, we're going to take a year off. Like, I'm done just giving EA Sports my money and being basically slapped in the face after it, you know, like just with with Garbo. And so I decided to give this Madden a chance this year because, they, you know, they revamped franchise mode and all that stuff. And I have the PS5, so I wanted to see it on the next gen. And honestly, like, from a, a franchise perspective, it's still, like, really, really raw. And it's still not perfect. And it's still not, I wouldn't say it's good by any stretch. But it is, I think, and this is from somebody who has absolutely no issue destroying this franchise. Uh, the Madden franchise, not the Jets franchise. Um, I have no issue saying that, like, it is a step in the right direction. It's still nowhere near what MLB The Show is. It's still nowhere near what 2K's franchise or story mode is. But, you know, the cut scenes are, are really horribly rendered and there's no voiceover work. And and there's, you know, the, the story arcs that they tried to build into the game don't even come close to sniffing what 2K's is. But it is a step that kind of shows that Madden's at least trying to do it. So from my perspective, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt one final time to see, like, okay, this is stage one. Now, what are you going to do next year for stage two? But the graphics are legitimately improved. I feel the player motions and player animations still play like an arcade, like NFL blitz game. I mean, those are horrific, but you know, I think that after having to give up Madden last year and really fighting through Madden 2019, this Madden with some adjusted sliders, which I found online to make the game a little bit more realistic. Um, I think it's finally playable again. And, and I'm enjoying going through playing the jets. Like I would, if I was the whole, like, you know, if I ran the Jets thing, I'm enjoying people following me on Twitch too and, and following along for the ride. So it's been enjoyable. You know, I did I did say I'm not cutting any corners. So I brought uh, Mitchell Schwartz out of retirement, brought him to the team. David DeCastro put him at guard. There's no Greg Van Roten on this team. Signed, um, uh, quick, Smith quick pause. Caught. Quick pause. Mitchell Schwartz will be joining the athletic football show this season. So uh, make sure you are downloading that as well. And aside from now. watching him in Connors Madden, he will be yeah, – yeah, co-hosting uh, an episode of the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays, so that will be hey, very exciting. He solidified the Jets' offensive line in my Madden franchise. I mean, now I've got Greg, <laughs> I've got uh, Mackay. In real life, he will actually be Vera on the Tucker. podcast. Yeah. He'll be solidifying the Athletic Football Show. Yeah, so DeCastro and him have solidified that offensive line, and also, obviously, I, I do have to. I can't take full credit for this, Marissa, but a a Twitch person who joined on my stream did say in week three. Have you signed? Have you traded for Michael Dunn yet? And immediately I was like, oh my God, no, I haven't. I have to do this. So as soon as the game ended, I looked for him on the Browns roster. Obviously, Madden Browns are not as smart as real Browns. So Michael, unfortunately, <laughs> did get cut in, in the Madden game. Signed him in free agency, got to week nine. And then just so you know, Marissa, everyone always like criticizes me. I took care of you. I took care of virtual Marissa and her family by giving Michael Dunn a seven-year 14 million dollar contract uh all of it guaranteed yeah so i i gave him the max contract extension and your boy look i would have signed to whatever he wanted all he wanted was 2.5 a year that's all he wanted so i gave him his 2.5 a year off the seven years so maybe it was a little bit more than 14 but uh yeah i took care of him and and you and virtual marissa forever so you guys are you guys will be 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 fine thank you well, All we right, got a game move. to talk about, right? Yeah, and a real roster, a real game. right? That, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, so before we get to Zach versus Sam, let's touch on on the roster, um, the moves that have happened since we were last year. Of course, the cuts and every. All of that, um, but I don't want to spend too much time on it, Connor. But some of the the big takeaways that have kind of been gone over. Uh, 
cornerback, right, is something that stands out. Yeah. Bless Austin, talk the talk, but at the end of the day, didn't do enough to make the roster, and that leaves this team with Bryce Hall on one side and say it with me, uh, Michael Dunn 1A, Isaiah Dunn on the other side, maybe along with Brandon Eccles battling it out there. But that is a – it's an interesting position for this team heading into the season. Yeah, I wonder. I've tried to dig a little bit on this, and it's been very, very tight-lipped um, over there. But I, I just, I, I feel like something might have happened with with Bless. I, I do, and and I tried to dig, and I tried to turn over some stones, and and talk to some players, and like I couldn't get anything concrete. But I think something weird went happened in that like Green Bay week because I know the Jets CD had personal reasons, and Salah said that had nothing to do with the reason he was cut, but. It when when players have personal reasons and they miss practice time, usually it's like they are just absent and they're not there because like you know personal reasons like your dad's not feeling well or you had like Bryce Hall like he had the birth of his child like there's like things like that where they go home and they see those and they're away from the facility and they're away from the team and all that stuff. With Bless, like he was there and then he was on the sideline of the game against the Packers. He just didn't play. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I've never seen a personal reasons that caused a player to be in attendance for a game, but not playing the game. And this is this is the preseason. So it's not like there's game planning or anything like that. So I know, you know, Douglas said, oh, we just, you know, liked we wanted to get we liked or Salah said we liked the young guys, you know, pretty much ignoring the fact that that. Uh, uh, bless Austin's 25 years old. And, you know, like uh, what Douglas said was like, you know, we, we, we were going to start road. Uh, you know, we wanted to get some of the young guys playing time. And, you know, it's, I don't, I, again, I, I think it was a lot of like trying to save face. Good for Bryce. I saw he like, he or bless, I should say, I saw he lost him to Seattle. Right. I think the Seahawks signed him. He's reunited with Jamal Adams. So, you know, good for him that he, that he's found another team and he's going to go play somewhere else. But I think something might've happened there with the jets, but, now it is going to be the youngsters, Tim. And I think we've talked about this um, a lot. The Jets defense was always going to be predicated and built on that defensive line. It was going to be based on that defensive line, getting pressure to alleviate pressure off of their secondary. Basically that that front four was going to get home to the quarterback before the quarterback could get the ball to his receivers and, or yeah, quarterback to his receivers and the receivers could break open against the secondary the concern now is that without Carl Lawson, are the Jets going to be able to do that? And if the quarterback is permitted those, you know, kind of three Mississippis in the pocket, I don't know if Bryce Hall is going to be able to with Bryce Hall is going to be able to hold up. I don't know if Dunn's going to be able to hold up. I don't know if Eccles is going to be able to hold up. I don't know if Gidry is going to be able to hold up in those three corner spots before receivers break free. And and I know you mentioned Isaiah Dunn. I, I think it's probably going to be Brandon Eccles out there. I think he's probably the guy the yep. Jets are going to go to. And you know, we did talk to Sal the other I'm day. just playing to the crowd with the Isaiah Dunn. Yeah, I feel you there. I feel you. It's, it's good. It's good. You know, t- it, it's it's a good play. Um, but I do think that um, uh, the one thing that Salah said when we talked to him on, on Monday was that, you know, just because these are the two guys that start at corner doesn't necessarily mean these are going to be the two guys that finish the game at corner. Yeah, so then other spots on this this final roster. Of course, you can certainly take your moment here before 2021 and question the 2020 draft as James Morgan is now with Carolina, probably giving away all the, the company's secrets this week uh, to his new team. Uh, so he's gone from last year's draft. Zaninga still around because he's on the practice squad and, and injured, obviously, but he was released as well. Um, those are some tough ones to to see, I mean, if you're Joe Douglas, right, if you're looking at what Joe Douglas has done and to see that the next year those guys are are on the practice squad are gone. And then the other interesting move, uh, 
Quinn and Williams' brother, Quincy, is on the team. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this, Connor, until I realizing like it it finally like it sense to me that Quincy was actually on Jacksonville last year. So those guys went three and twenty-nine last year. That's a tough run for the family. Yeah, that's not yeah, not a great one. Um, but yeah, like I said, Quincy Williams is actually an intriguing player because the Jets like him. I mean, when the when the Jets claimed him along with Tim Ward, um Talking about Quincy first is solid said, you know, he's one of those guys that that's fast and, and violent and fast and angry and, and, or something along those were something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing, but um, he's somebody that was really good in this defensive scheme. Cause Robert Salas spent time in Jacksonville, which is where this defensive scheme kind of was, had some pieces put together. Then obviously it also had it in San Francisco where it really came to the forefront and also Seattle. So it's got a bunch of little different pieces of where he's worked before in it. And that's where Quincy was originally playing was in Robert Sala's type of defense. And he had some success his first couple of years in the league. And then obviously it fell apart when, when urban Meyer came in and they brought in a new defensive philosophy. So the jets like the idea of getting him in here. They like the idea of getting him in here and and getting him back in a defensive scheme. That's better fitted to his strengths and, and seeing what he can't do. And then Ward, obviously the other player that the jets claimed, um, you know, he had a, he, he didn't play too much with the chiefs, but I think the one game he played last year was five tackles and a sack. I think he had three sacks in this preseason, if I'm not mistaken. So when you're claiming a guy that doesn't make the Kansas City Chiefs and a Kansas City Chiefs team, it's pretty good on the defensive front. Usually that player is still a pretty good player. It's reminiscent, honestly, the Tim Ward acquisition to me is reminiscent of when the Jet, when the Jets plucked away John Franklin Myers from the Rams, you know, because he was one of the early waiver claims and John Franklin Myers was on a very good Ram defensive line. Franklin Myers was a guy who had a pretty good season the year before and a pretty good Super Bowl, just kind of got caught up in that numbers game. Rams let him go. Jets immediately claim him. And while he dealt with injuries that first year, you saw what he could do last season. And you saw in training camp that he looks like he's picked up right where he left off. And if anything, he's a little bit better of a um, a better of a, a I think he had a better camp this year than a season last year. And And I compare that situation of picking the carcass of a very good football team and finding some they can't make their team, but they can start on yours or play a significant role on yours. I see something very similar there with Tim Ward. And, and the one acquisition that I do not want to brush over, and I know some have because they've been like, oh, he's not a good player. He's not a good player. He's not a good player. If James Morgan wants, he can really open the 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 Pandora's box of secrets for the Jets and hand them all to the Panthers. And, and I know Robert Sala like brushed it off, but I think the way that Robert took Andy's question when he asked it was do you think the Panthers only claimed James Morgan because James, you know, they're playing you week one. And Robert was like, no, 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 that doesn't happen. Or maybe it happens sometimes, but that's not how we do business. That's not how they do business. I think he took it as like, did they just claim James to get the Jets secrets? And then they're going to cut him from their practice squad right away. What Andy was asking and what Andy was trying to ask, and I got to actually follow up with Sal on this tomorrow, just to kind of clarify it is that, are you worried about James being able to tell the Panthers things about your offense? And whether Robert says it publicly or not, I can tell you the answer is yes. And and I know that because it wasn't long ago, it was the 2019 season, that the Buffalo Bills did something very similar with Davis Webb. And Davis Webb was a terrible quarterback, and James Morgan's not a very good quarterback. But still, they spent an entire summer in this organization, they spent an entire off season in this organization. So from James Morgan's perspective, there's OTAs, there's mini camp, there's an entire training camp, there's three preseason games. And he, the thing about James is that while he struggled on the field, he's a film junkie. While he struggled on the field, he is a, he's the guy that when Zach Wilson's running the actual play, 
James Morgan is 10 yards behind him going through the motions, literally going through the drop back, turning to his read and pretending to throw a ball. I mean, he's that kind of a guy. So he probably knows this playbook. And I don't mean this as a shot at Zach Wilson. He might know this playbook even better than Zach Wilson does just because he is like a mental freak when it comes to studying the game and understanding the game and loving the game. And now, obviously, this we can go into a whole tangent about how that's what makes the quarterback position so hard is that you need that mental aspect, but then you also need the physical skills, which is where James lacks. So I remember talking to Adam Gase about this with Davis Webb in 2019, and he said, you know, he had talked to Davis when he left about like, yeah, like there was kind of like an understanding or a, a handshake agreement that Davis wasn't going to give the Bills the Jets playbook. And then Adam said there were three situations in the game where he realized he had because the Jets had had. They, you start game planning already. Like the, the Jets have already started game planning for the Panthers. They started game planning for the Panthers probably around the, the Green Bay Packer week. You start implementing a little bit, little bit, little bit, and then really ramp it up this week. So one of the things that the Jets had started in 2019 of doing was that they felt they could get the Bills on a couple big run plays because their defensive end or something like that had had a tendency to suck inside in this specific Jets formation. That defense always sucked inside, always sucked inside. So when the Jets had this opening to hit the outside on a stretch play on on with this particular formation, it was like an I formation. They had the ability to, to, to hit a big one on the outside. They knew they could do it because this defensive end was always sucked inside. And they had a hot route called to, to signal it. So like if they lined up in this formation, they saw that play. They had a read where they would say like, you know, bingo, bingo, bingo. And the defensive end, and they knew that they could change to this stretch play, which they then kick it outside. So... Jets go to the line in that Buffalo Bills game in 2019. Sam Darnold gets the front that he wants. He yells, bingo, bingo, bingo. And the defensive end doesn't stay inside. The defensive end goes right to the outside where the run's supposed to go and sits there. So he literally moves himself like three yards outside. And I, I remember Gase had said, like, I think he talked to us before practice. He had said, like, that's when I knew Davis had told them all of our secrets because that was our one word that we had put in train. There was no one else that knew that was our word except for those in the quarterback room because it was the audible to outside to the stretch play or something along those lines. He goes, when he said bingo and I, whoever their defensive end was moved, I think it was um, uh, uh, Lawson, not Shaq. I think it was Manny maybe. I'm not sure. Or uh, the, the guy who used to play and he was a bad first round pick went to the Jerry Hughes. That was it. Jerry Hughes. Uh, Lawson. Jerry Hughes goes from where he was to four yards outside. And obviously there were like 10 other examples of like the Buffalo bills, knowing their hot routes, knowing their play calls, knowing their like all these things like that, that they knew what was coming basically not from a playbook perspective, but you know, the audibles, you know, the hot routes, you know, the early stages of the game plan and you know, things like that. So um, that would be a concern of mine or a worry of mine uh, just with them claiming James Morgan, not that they claim James Morgan just to get the jet secrets, but the benefit of claiming James Morgan is that now they get to know the Jets' hot routes, they get to know the Jets' audibles, they get to know the Jets' protection alignments, they get to know all the Jets' terminology, and they can obviously, that aids the Panthers uh, in a big way come Sunday. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see that? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, and from that heavy read, let's get back into the Jets and Connor. It's it's been twenty three weeks in the making, I think. Zach versus Sam. Here we go. Um, that was how long ago it was that the Jets sent Sam Darnold to Carolina. They get three draft picks back, and now it's head to head at his old home. Um, I feel like there's a ton of pressure on both these guys, um, but that that's where I'll start. Who do you think has the most pressure on them in this game? Yeah. Sam, Sam going against the Jets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Zach's a rookie, man. Like Zach's yeah. a, Zach's the number two pick in the draft. This is his first ever start. He's on a team that is rebuilding. Um, this is like the Sam motivational game because the one thing that everyone heard about Sam and now look, I've, I've been, I liked Sam as a person. I thought Sam was good. I thought Sam was always, um, from a media perspective is like how I generally judge players is like when I say good, like about off the field stuff, like obviously he never got in trouble off the field, but he always treated the media with respect. He was always uh, open with the media. He was always, if you needed him for something, he was always attainable. You know, he was never against one-on-ones if you needed him. I mean, he was a really good guy. Like I, I did. I thought Sam was a really good person. Um, he was not a very good quarterback. I, I, I know like people, We'll say like, oh, the Jets didn't do this for him. Oh, the Jets didn't do that for him. Oh, the Jets. Well, yeah, true. Like the Jets didn't give him the coaching that they've already given Zach Wilson. They never gave him the receivers that the Jets have already given Zach Wilson. They never gave him the offensive line potential. While this group still looks like they struggle in pass protection, they are still more talented than any group that Sam Darnold had to work with. The Jets never did those things for Sam Darnold, but... Sam didn't just fail because the Jets failed him. This wasn't like Pat Mahomes playing for the Jaguars, you know, the last two years. Like this was Sam Darnold also not being a very good quarterback. I mean, there were times if you go back and you look at at some of the plays that the Jets ran last year where Sam's initial read, the read that Sam is supposed to go to on the play. And I know this from talking to coaches and stuff like that. The play that's the player that Sam was supposed to go to. He doesn't. He just like the play is designed to go to this player on this route at this play. And Sam just comes off it for no reason. And then all of a sudden you stop and you stop the film and you look at it. And you're like, oh, that player's wide open for a would be touchdown. And Sam's somewhere else. You know, there were those plays where Sam throws into triple coverage. You know, there's the plays where Sam makes the turnover that you just can't have the back breaking turnover. And, and the one thing about Darnold is that you know, I've seen quarterbacks, fortunately covering the Jets, I've seen quarterbacks that just are incapable of playing. Like Bryce Petty could not play quarterback. Christian Hackenberg could not play quarterback. Geno Smith could not play quarterback. Sam had the athletic talent, more athletic talent and more arm talent than I think any other quarterback. Like when you talk about, like obviously Christian had a cannon for an arm, but I'm talking about accuracy and, and arm strength. Sam had more arm talent than any quarterback I had seen to that point of them acquiring Sam Darnold in the draft. Now, Zach Wilson's obviously topped him. Um, so you would see plays like against the 49ers, that throw he made to Barrios where he's rolling out to the left, pivots and throws across his body, hits Barrios on the move, and then he takes it in for a touchdown. The issue is that for every one of those good throws that Sam Darnold would have, 
there would be another two or three a game that either turned into turnovers or near turnovers or those that you were like, what the hell is he doing? That always prevented him from going there. So I think the biggest thing that held Sam Darnold back was that he could never really read a defense or he never learned to read a defense without the Jets. But he always had that built-in excuse of, okay, I don't have the receivers that other quarterbacks have. I don't have the coaches that other quarterbacks have. I don't have the offensive line that other quarterbacks have. Well, in Carolina now, he has Christian McCaffrey better than any offensive player on the Jets. He has Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. Robbie Anderson now is a better receiver than he ever was at any point in the Jets. And Curtis Samuel would have started on any Jets team before this year. You know, he's got an offensive line that that is still probably a little bit of a work in progress, but it's certainly better than any of the offensive lines the Jets have had over the last two or three years or the offensive lines the Jets gave Sam Darnold. He has an offensive coordinator in Joe Brady that was receiving head coaching interest the last last two seasons, right? So he has an offensive coordinator that people believe is a head coaching, prime head coaching candidate and one of the young, innovative offensive minds, right? Now go do it. What's Sam has no more excuses. There's no more excuses for Sam Darnold not to play well. And for Sam Darnold to, if he is a franchise quarterback, become a franchise quarterback. So it is on. Yeah, so I saw I said Curtis Samuel. That's my mistake. I know Curtis. I see it in the chat. Now. I know Curtis Samuel's on Washington. I know because I was one of the players that the Jets, you know, were interested in. Um, uh, but DJ, DJ Moore is still DJ there. Moore is yeah. the one that I was thinking of. Yeah, it's not, and I how could Curtis you forget Samuel. him? Because where did he go to school? Oh God, Maryland is the Terps. Duh. Yeah, Duh. yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I meant DJ Moore. Sorry about that. Because yeah, if anyone read anything that I wrote over the last, well, all throughout free agency, it was the Jets should go sign him. The Jets should go sign him. The Jets should go sign Samuel. He's a perfect fit. Jets should go get Samuel. Jets should go get Samuel. Washington got Samuel. So obviously, I know I meant DJ Moore. For those listening on this back, like I woke up like 20 minutes before this podcast started, <laughs> clearly because that's how I roll. So it's a little bringing it back down. But yes, I DJ Moore is what I'm talking about, not Samuel. So he has more with he has more with DJ Moore and Samuel than he ever had. Or <laughs> Jesus, man, wow. DJ Moore and Robbie. Breath, he has more, <laughs> yeah, I know. DJ Moore and Robbie. He has more with those two guys than he ever had with the Jets. So now there are no more excuses. Now there is no more safety net. There is no more. Well, if he had blank for Sam to not perform all that's on now is for Sam to perform. And I remember talking to some people that like other reporters who cover the Panthers, Joe purse and asking them like, you know, how's Sam looking? And and the, the reviews that I got back from not just Joe, but others down there is that it wasn't a great summer for Sam is that he didn't look great. It's almost like the things we've been saying, Sam is not that great of a quarterback. And, and I do expect him to probably try to play the game of his life against the jets, because there's going to be the motivation from him of, this is the team that passed on me. This is the team that gave up on me. This is the team that thought Zach Wilson's a better quarterback than me. Screw them. I want to go light them up. And the current state of the Jets defense might be conducive to Sam Darnold, in fact, lighting them up because I don't think this Jets secondary can cover more. I don't think this Jets secondary can cover Robbie Anderson. I don't think this Jets secondary can slow Christian McCaffrey because even though the Panthers offensive line isn't great, I don't think the Jets defensive line can get to Sam Darnold before a receiver breaks open in their secondary. That's not a feather in the cap of this Panthers offensive line as much as it is, is that I just don't think they can get back there quick enough. And so there's a good chance that Sam lights up the Jets defense, but this might be one of the only real great games that Sam Darnold has this year. But as far as the pressure is concerned, it's absolutely higher on Sam because there are no more excuses for him. Zach's still the rookie. Zach's still the guy that's going to develop. Zach's going to take his lumps, bumps, and bruises along the way. 
with Sam, this is what everyone has been saying. Needs better pr- protection, needs better playmakers, need better coaching. He's got all three with Carolina. Now, if he doesn't perform, now it's on Sam. The highlight for Sam this summer so far, his last preseason game, uh, which in this weird preseason, it's tough to take anything from that. But against the Steelers, second team defense. So none of those scary guys on the Steelers defense were in the game. But Sam was 19 of 25, 162, a couple of touchdowns, zero interceptions. That was the only game of the preseason that he really got significant playing time. So a lot of question marks around him. Um, As far as Zach goes, I mean, I would assume (laughs) – I mean, if you're a Panthers fan, certainly, if these two quarterbacks go out there on Sunday and Zach looks better, ouch, if you're the Panthers, right? Because even if Zach is eventually going to be the far superior quarterback, and that's what the Jets certainly hope, he shouldn't look better in his first pro game. Is there a chance that he does in your mind, Connor? Um, hmm. That's a good one. That's uh, why I'm here. Yeah. I, um, is there a chance Zach looks better? I think there is. So here's the thing. Yes, there is. The like Zach can look better than Sam, even with the Jets losing this game. I mean, I think that's yeah. possible because again, like yeah. I, I have huge concerns about the Jets defense. I have massive concerns about their ability. I think Quinn and Williams is a borderline all pro player. I think CJ Mosley looks like he has picked up right where he left off in the second quarter of the game against the Bills before he hurt his groin. I think that there are a lot of intriguing players on this team where I can't wait to see Hamza play. I actually can't wait to see Jamie and Sherwood play. I want to see how John Franklin Myers looks in this now follow-up year from his perceived breakout year last season. There are some pieces that I'm really intrigued to watch, but I have such massive, massive concerns with this secondary that I just, as good as Quinn and Williams is, like I said, and I don't think the Panthers are gangbusters by any reason. I think the Matt Rule hype train is well overblown. I don't know if Joe Brady is that elite. You know, I don't know. But I just think that DJ Moore is going to be able to have his way with whether it's Brandon Eccles or Isaiah Dunn. It doesn't matter. He's going to be able to have his way outside. I don't know how the Jets are going to slow Robbie Anderson, who's going to be wanting to torch the Jets just as much as anyone else. I don't know how they're going to be able to slow him with Bryce Hall and all these other guys. I mean, I just think players, and then Christian McCaffrey's the X factor. I mean, you are basically now asking your two rookie linebackers in Hamza or Sherwood or CJ Mosley, who's not a great cover linebacker, even though he did lose that weight, lose that weight and he's faster to slow down Christian McCaffrey. Like I, I just, I don't know how this jets defense. And I'm not saying the Panthers are unstoppable or unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that, I just I'm I'm legitimately having watched this Jets team every day in training camp and in the preseason. I'm legitimately concerned with this defense's ability to stop anyone, let alone an offense that does have playmakers in more Robbie Anderson and McCaffrey. Like I am worried about that happening. It's going to take Quinn and Williams playing the game of his life every single week for the Jets to create consistent pressure to hopefully alleviate pressure off of this secondary. So I think the Panthers are going to go up and down the field on Sunday. I do genuinely think that's what's going to happen is they're going to be up and down the field. They're going to have their way with the Jets defense. With that said, based off of what I've seen from Zach Wilson, his worst practices in training camp, his worst days in training camp, his worst moments in training camp, they were never because Zach looked really bad ever. 
Like he didn't always have the perfect day. He didn't always make the perfect throw. He did throw some passes into coverage, which again, he said, oh, this is practice. I'm trying things, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, if that's the case and, you know, we go to the regular season, you don't throw turnovers. It's like, okay, that's just how he practices. But it's like, okay, that's what you say. Now let me see it in a game, right? You know, like it's just, I, I believe him. I just now want to see it as well. Um, his biggest issues in training camp were protection related. His biggest issues in training camp were that he was going down six, seven times or having to rush through his reads or having to come out of the pocket and run around because the Jets just couldn't pass protect. If the Jets can keep Zach Wilson upright, I think you're going to see a lot from Zach Wilson. I think you're going to see a guy who makes every throw, a guy who has next level improvisational skills. I think you're going to see a guy who was worthy of being the number two pick in the NFL draft if the Jets can keep him upright. So if this Panthers defensive line, which is going to be better than some people think, because Brian Burns is a good player. Derek Brown has a lot of potential. The Jet, the Panthers signed Hassan Reddick, who had double-digit sacks last year. So they have players in Reddick, in Burns, who can create pressure from the outside. They have a guy in Derek Brand who can create push up the middle. They have some decent players in the defense where they're going to be better than the defensive unit that they had last year. If those guys can get to Zach Wilson and get around Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's not going to stand a chance, not because Zach Wilson, but because the Jets can't keep him upright. The flip side of that coin, though, is if the Jets can keep Zach Wilson upright, if the Jets can keep Zach Wilson on his feet, I think Zach Wilson has the ability and the Jets have the playmakers to go toe-to-toe with whatever Sam Donald and the Panthers are doing on the other side of the ball. I think the Panthers still end up winning just because I genuinely don't believe the Jets have enough on defense to slow them or anyone else, um, or except for the uh, Broncos, like a team like the Broncos, I think I can slow down, but I don't think they have enough there to slow him down. However, what I do think is that the Jets, if they can keep Sam, if they can keep Zach Wilson upright, I think Zach Wilson could pick on this team with his weapons of Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, if he can clear the concussion protocol, Keelan Cole, if he can't, Denzel Mims, if he can work in there with the protections that amplify his skill set and all those things, a nice running back rotation of Tevin Coleman and P. Ryan and Ty Johnson and Michael Carter. I think like if P. Ryan, if he's healthy, I think those are all things that go into play with the Jets. Like my biggest concern with the Jets offense is not their ability to run the ball, is not the weapons, is not the quarterback. My biggest issue or biggest concern with the Jets is just can they keep Zach Wilson upright? Because I didn't see it in practice. But if they can keep him upright, I think Zach Wilson can deal because I genuinely believe this kid's the real deal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And speaking of bet MGM and betting on games, we're going to have the picks coming back again this year. Uh, Connor, we are not going to make our picks in this episode because it's Tuesday and who knows a lot could happen in the next four days, but we will tweet them out uh, probably on Friday afternoon or Saturday and we will let the games begin. You may remember a year ago that I won the championship here on the can't wait betting. What do we call it? Can't wait picks. Uh, it went to the Super Bowl. It was tied. Me and Marissa, Tom Brady brought it home for me. So looking to go back to back 
with the picks. We'll get that started we both later beat, this week. Beat on Twitter. Connor, so that's really what matters. Right? I won the first year too. If we want to, mm-hmm. you did. You did. That was that so long ago. I, don't, I, I wasn't. I wasn't going to. But yes. <laughs> I was fine. You I, didn't like, last year was weird betting though, man. Like I, I, I had actually a little bit of success doing some college football. And I, I talked to like friends and stuff because I don't follow college football like I do the NFL because I cover the NFL. And honestly, we've talked about this, man. Is like that's why everyone always asks, like, oh, who's your team? Who is your team? Who'd you grow up rooting for? Who would you who'd you grow up pulling for? All that stuff. And it's like it's irrelevant because when you start covering this game for a living, when you start doing this as a job you genuinely do lose that fanhood because it is every single, like when I was a kid, football was like my escape and football was my release. And I watched football. And one of the reasons why I wanted to cover football and, and, and do this for a living was that, you know, it was my favorite thing was football, football, football. But like, once you start covering the game, you do it's, it becomes a job. It becomes everything. It's almost like if you make pizza and that's your job and you have pizza every single, you, know, you love pizza, then you get a job making pizza. And every single day you have pizza the last thing you want to do is have more pizza, right? Like that's just the last thing you want to do. You want to do something else. So that's why I've kind of fallen into like baseball again and basketball again, because it's like that becomes your escape when football, like even when I watch a a, a game that that doesn't involve the team that I grew up rooting for, it doesn't involve the Jets. You're still watching it and saying like, how would I cover this game if I was there? What's my column angle? I wonder if that player is actually going to end up playing. For it. It's just work mode never turns off when football's on the screen. So I kind of lose it, but Though that's one of the reasons why I don't watch college football as well is because like it just goes into work mode of oh could the Jets draft this person oh is that person a filler need what's his ranking I'm gonna go look him up and all of a sudden it's like work 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 and it's just like beats me down where it's no longer an escape so I don't usually watch so much college football so I follow other people when it comes to it um, but betting the NFL last year was not easy without fans I, I underestimated how much of an impact that was going to have on games I genuinely do think it did because. From a fan, I think players weren't necessarily as amped up as they usually are because there's not the screaming and the yelling in the atmosphere. And I'm kind of excited to now get back to some semblance of normalcy and hopefully go back to making money and not losing it because losing it's not very fun. Yeah, certainly not. All right, back to this game, specifically the Jets and Carolina. And it is Robert Sala's first official game as a head coach in the NFL. I think things we've learned, Connor, through the preseason um, – He's probably going to be an aggressive head coach. Is that fair to say? Uh, actually, I wouldn't no? necessarily. Do you mean like, what do you mean by aggressive? Do you mean like going for it like Doug Peterson used to, like going for it all, the, or Doug Peterson, Frank Wright, where they go for it all the time on fourth down, or or a defensive philosophy like Steve Spagnuolo, where you're blitzing all the time, or Greg Williams calling a cover zero with like two seconds left? I mean, if, if that's what you mean by aggressive, I don't necessarily know. I think he's going to be very calculated in his decisions. So you're going to see the Jets go for it more on fourth down when that's the way it impacts the game. Now, like I said, their analytics and and that analytics are something that Sala has embraced a lot. And it's one thing that was embraced in San Francisco and has been embraced elsewhere. And that's one of the reasons why he embraces it. Um, Basically, what these coaches do is that before every situation they go through and they have somebody up top that's basically run the numbers of okay, it's fourth and one at midfield and we are winning 14 to 10. If we go and we convert this fourth down, our winning percentage goes up to it. There's an 85% chance we win this game. If we go for it and we don't get it, we still have a 72% chance of winning this game. So you go for it because you want that 85% knowing if you lose, you don't get it. So there's all of these predetermined situations that you go over and then you go for it. You don't go for it based on those situations. I think there's, you're going to have more 
of that than you did under Todd, than you did under Adam, than you did under Rex. Um, when it comes to defensively, though, this isn't a scheme that's predicated on blitzing. This isn't a scheme that's predicated on we're going to just uh, go after the quarterback, go after the quarterback, go after the quarterback. If you look at the um, Seattle Seahawks, where this scheme was first kind of created, and then you look at where Robert really made it his own in San Francisco, those were two fronts that played really good coverage outside, kind of like that two deep zone kind of defense. But then they created their pressure because they fielded a defensive line that was borderline unblockable. It was almost like what the Giants did when they won their two Super Bowls against the Patriots, is that you had guys that created pressure that you could pressure with your front four, and then you could drop other guys back when you had to, and you could get through with just four. So you didn't have to worry about blitzing this linebacker, blitzing this guy, blitzing that guy. Your safeties could play deep. Your linebackers could cover your corners could cover. And that's what they did. I think that's what Robert wants to do. That's the defense that the, the jets were trying to implement. And they had Carl Lawson. Obviously it took a, a, a step back when he ruptured his Achilles tendon, but that's the defensive philosophy. I think they're going to have, and that's the offensive philosophy. I think they're going to have, if you mean aggressive, like throwing deep bombs every other time. No, I mean, this is going to be a team that wants to run a West coast offense, probably a more run oriented West coast offense where if they run it, if it's an even 50-50 split or or even if it's a 55-45 a split with running favored, I think that's what LaFleur wants to do. He wants to feature Coleman and Carter and Johnson and P. Ryan when he's healthy. Then he wants to get get the ball to his guys in space. He wants to get the ball to Elijah Moore where he can make plays after, afterwards. He wants to get it to Crowder where he can make plays afterwards. Get it to Corey Davis on those ends like you saw in the preseason. That's the kind of scheme that, that Sala and the offense is going to want to put out there in terms of like, aggressiveness now as far as exciting as far as amped up that's one thing that i want to see on the sideline because in san francisco that was solid is that he wasn't a screamer or yeller in terms of he's going to get in the face of his de of his defense and degrade them or scream them or try to motivate them by pissing them you know the old like miracle movie where it's like oh the, you know i just want to make everyone I want to bring the team together because they hate me so much and that's why they're going to play hard they're going to play hard just to basically say screw me that's not Sally. He's teaching, but he is such a passionate and intense guy that when these players do the things that they've been teaching and, and wanting them to do, he goes crazy and just goes like, yes, yes, yeah. Like just gets so excited. And, and you saw that passion and that excitement on the sideline. I'm curious if he reigns it in some as a head coach or if that excitement and passion comes out. So when the Jets score their first touchdown or the Jets defense makes their first stop or they get their first interception, the first place I'm going with my binoculars is the sideline to see how Sala reacts and see if he tries to keep it calm, cool, and collected and lets his offensive coordinator and like Ulbrich and LaFleur be the crazy guys, or if he's just going to find himself wrapped up in that emotion as well. So um, aggressive, I don't necessarily know yet. Uh, crazy, crazy, like screaming, yelling on the sideline, I don't necessarily know yet, but I think we're going to learn a lot week one, and, I, and I'm excited to see it because exciting would be probably how I would determine it because I think – this is a new age, a new energy, a new feeling surrounding the Jets that hasn't been here in a while. Certainly going to be more energy than the uh, Adam Gase yes. era, that's for sure. Um, oh, all right, let's <laughs> talk about injuries and, well, injuries and COVID, I guess, combined here. One, first of all, the Elijah Moore thing, the fact that Elijah Moore 
blew up this summer and became the star of this team. And then nobody got to see him in the preseason because of the yeah. injury. I feel like there's more expectations around seeing what that guy can do, maybe even up to the level of Zach Wilson, just because we got to see Zach Wilson in the preseason. Elijah Moore for fans, unless you, you know, obviously some of the practices were open, but like as far as seeing him in a game, nobody's seen that yet. That's going to be a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. And I think, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard to explain how good Elijah Moore looked in OTA's mini camp in the first, you know, few practices of training camp. Like it, it genuinely is hard. And the reason why it's hard is because how many times can you say it over and over and over again without showing somebody a video, without showing somebody every rep in practice, without showing even just the out, the in, the five yard pass that he catches and then bursts away from the defense. It's hard to, describe that every single day written without showing you and the jets obviously don't allow videos and things like that during the team drills of practice but where i personally saw him change the most where i saw a genuine difference was when he got hurt because you kind of became so accustomed to elijah moore making plays in practice that when Elijah Moore wasn't there to make plays in practice was when you were like, huh, you know, suddenly the excitement, suddenly the big plays, suddenly the home runs, all of those things that were there at least one, two, three times a day, every single day, they weren't there anymore. And they weren't there anymore because Elijah Moore wasn't practicing. And obviously, you know, with him being out, it allowed Zach and, and uh, Corey Davis to really work and, and hone in on their uh, chemistry and, and their ability to play together. Same thing with Zach and Jamison Crowder. Same thing with Zach and Keelan Cole. I mean, Elijah not being there with how frequently Zach Wilson was targeting him, it allowed Zach to get on the same page with his other receivers, which is a good thing for this offense. But now that Elijah's back, now that Elijah's going to be in the games, now Elijah's been practicing to kind of get his, his timing down and, and get his rhythm back and get his stamina back after he missed some time. He's the player. You can talk about Zach. You can talk about Quinn and you can talk about some of these other guys the Jets have drafted and other players, you know, Michael Carter, some of these other players on this field. The guy that I cannot wait to see play a football game, the guy that I am genuinely excited to see on the field because, again, it got to the point where after every single practice, I said, I'm not writing about Elijah Moore today. And he would do something where I'd have to write about Elijah Moore. It got to the point where every single practice I would say, okay, what else can Elijah Moore do that's different than what I've already seen? And the next day he would do something that's different. He would do something that was, he would do something that I hadn't seen him do yet to now see that player in a game to see that player playing a full four quarters when it counts, when he can, he can take every catch the distance, when he can make guys miss, when you can see when fans can see what reporters and the team have seen every single practice that he's been on the field for. I can't wait to see that. That's what I'm most excited about for Sunday is to see Elijah Moore play a football game because I've said this before, man, I've talked to people in that building. I've talked to people about this kid because again, I see it as Holy cow. This kid looks so unique. Holy cow. This kid looks so good. And I've written that, written that and written that, but it's almost like, okay, now I want to talk to the people that do this for a living, whose job it is to analyze and evaluate these guys for a living. Am I getting too far ahead of myself? Am I blowing this one up when it shouldn't be blown up like this? Am I just kind of, you know, uh, I haven't seen a good receiver in so long. I mean, I watched Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims on half of a hamstring last year for 17 weeks. Like, 
am I just now that I see an actual competent player, am I blowing it out of proportion? You know what I mean? So I reached out to guys over there and I, the thing I've, I've stressed and I've said on the show before and I've written it before and, and I can't tell you enough. The Jets believe they have a, quote, superstar, unquote, on their hands. That's what the Jets believe they have in Elijah Moore. This isn't a player they believe is good. This isn't a player they believe that they, they are happy they have because they found a good player in the second round and maybe the curse is finally over along with Marcus May. This is a player that the Jets believe has the chance to be Pro Bowls every year, all pros every year, like a dynamic, game-changing player because of his speed, his athleticism, and more than anything, his mentality and not arrogance, confidence. His mentality and confidence are going to take this kid a long way as long as he can stay healthy. And to finally see him on a field for the first time, I, I, I'm a reporter. I like I've, I've said, like I don't have any ties to this team in, in any way, shape, or form. But I can't wait to see him play a football game because I do genuinely believe what the Jets have said and what the Jets believe is that this kid is different. And there may be more on him on Sunday, depending on Jamison Crowder's status. He has the COVID uh, positive this week, so he or last week. He needs two negative COVID tests 24 hours apart to be cleared to play because he is a vaccinated player. So that makes things yeah. a little bit easier. Connor, from what you're understanding, would you say that the team is? confident that he'll get there or because of the variables here they just have no idea there's no way to be yeah, right. yeah there's no way i mean they yeah. they're uh, that's the thing i'm getting i, I finally it took me shouldn't take me this long i finally caught on to this like roberts told us i don't know why it took me this long because roberts said over and over and over again how you know i'm 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 optimistic by nature i'm more of an optimist i'm optimistic i'm optimistic so anytime you ask him a question that could be negative he always gives the optimistic answer because he's always hoping for the best so finally, like with some of these guys that are injured, I, like when I was, I was like, can you put your optimism aside for a second to just speak like, <laughs> truth here? Like, can you like, can you please do this for us? Like talk truth. Like, are these guys going to be good or out? But he's one and P, P Ryan is one that I, I think is probably not going to play because the Jets signed Josh Adams, to the 53 man roster. Um, but they do have still that luxury with Jamison Crowder of like, he's on the COVID list. He can be like all that, that, that fluctuation of it there. I don't think they're willing to say anything yet, but the positive is, is that Crowder was here while he didn't practice. He was like kind of at least had the playbook, at least for OTAs. He was here for mini camp. He obviously had all a training camp where he practiced when Elijah Moore was out. He had extra reps with the starting defense. It won't be hard for him to miss this week of practice. As long as he's getting the game plan, it won't be hard for him as a veteran to miss this week, then start. Um, but I don't think the Jets have a true, true feel yet of if he's going to be, it's not like Makai Becton who they know like, okay, he's clearing concussion protocol today. He's going to be on the field Wednesday. I don't think they have a true, true feel yet, but they will on Thursday or Friday. You mentioned Becton, and that's another guy that did a lot of questions over the course of yeah. this summer and this preseason. So a lot of eyes are going to be on him as well on Sunday, coming off the concussion. And obviously, maybe that takes something out of him. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to have the be in the shape that he would have been in. But a lot of questions need to be answered as far as is he the guy that the Jets think they drafted? Yeah, and I think the thing about Makai is like, there's no doubt he's a dominant run blocker. Like, that's a true right. statement. Like, he can, I mean, he he is. He's a big dude who moves bodies. He struggled in pass protection. Like, that's that's all I can say, man, is that, like, I, I, I've i said this over and over and over again. It, it didn't matter who lined up across from Makai Becton during training camp. It started with Carl Lawson because they just wanted the iron sharpens iron thing where, you know, they wanted Lawson and, and Becton to go up, up against each other, up against each other, up against each other. The sacks didn't stop when Becton was blocking somebody other than Carl Lawson because Preston Smith beat him. 
the I, I forget his name because I hadn't heard of him before. The number 56 on not not Zedaria Smith because he's been hurt, but number 56 on the Packers beat him. Before Beckton went out with the concussion, the Eagles were beating him. When the Jets lost Carl Lawson and Beckton was practicing against other players on their defensive line, like like uh, uh, Hamilcar Rashid, he was beating him. Like like uh, like a lot of players were beating Mackay Beckton in pass protection. And again, now what Robert has said, what Zach has said is that well, you know, we need to we're we're not game planning for protection. We're not keeping the extra tight end over there to chip. We're not throwing the quick passes. We're not using the screen to slow down the rush. These players know they can just pin their ear, ear, ear backs and go and get after them. So I believed all that. I was like, okay, like I'm gonna still obviously report what I see, but I got it. Like you're not game planning for it. When LaFleur came out in Green Bay, and it, this will be, by the way, the only honest LaFleur press conference we ever have, because there's no doubt in my mind that the moment he walked off that podium, Jared and Eric with me, they were like, all right, first year offensive coordinator, new dealing with the media every day. Here's what we're going to talk about right now. You cannot say that again. <laughs> but when he came out and said, Makai is not playing his, I'm paraphrasing, Makai is not playing his best and he knows it. Our, and then he also said, our protection hasn't been good for two weeks. That's an unfiltered quote from an offensive coordinator. That is as honest of an assessment as you're going to get from an offensive coordinator. That told me everything my eyes had seen throughout camp, everything that I had thought I'd seen throughout training camp was true because LaFleur confirmed it all in that press conference. And you can say, well, the Jets kept the second string Giants and the second string Packers off of Zach Wilson. And Sala said that they're not game planning to keep the protection over there and they're not running the quick passes and they're not running the screens. And, you know, the defense knows passes are coming so they can pin their ears back. You can say all of those things. Totally true. And all, Zach Wilson and, Lef and and Sala said it. But LaFleur also came out and said, Makai is not playing his best right now. LaFleur also came out and said, our protection hasn't been good for two weeks for now. If it was truly they can scheme, if it was truly we can chip, he would have come out and said, no, I'm not worried at all, because that's truly how he would have felt. Instead, he told us how he truly felt, which was that there are some concerns. This is now game week. This is now game planning. This is now when you can chip and you can keep the extra guy in. And the Jets are going to get tested by Burns, who is a good player on one outside, and Reddick, who had double-digit sacks last year, and Derek Brand, who can come up the middle, who's probably going to be matched up on Greg Van Roten, because why? Or, you know, test Elijah Vera Tucker, who basically had no training camp. This line, which struggled, in pass protection throughout the summer is now going to be tested by, I know the defense wasn't good last year, but a talented defensive front. How are they going to stand up? Is it going to be what Sala said, which is don't worry. It'll all be fine. Once we can game plan for this, or is it going to be what we saw week in and week out of training camp, which was a group that struggled to pass protect. Now the games count. Now the teams are game planning. Now all of this is true. So now we see for real was, the protection problems in camp overblown or are these going to be protection problems that the jets are going to have to deal with week in and week out? We're going to know on Sunday. There are things to be concerned about. There are things to be excited about. It's all part of week one in the NFL, the jets getting ready for the Carolina Panthers. That's going to do it for this episode. Real of quick, can't wait. You know, real quick. I sure. think I just, I have like the iPad finally set up again. Cause I haven't been, now it's going to be unset up cause I'm traveling. Anthony Cappuccino in the chat, I think has like the best, way to to summarize Mekhi Becton in the offensive line. And he says it's he put into words and he put into one, two, three, four, he put into basically not even 10 words what I've spent three minutes talking about, which I'm sure the comment section is going to love later, but is reason for concern, but not a reason to freak out. I think that is exactly it. It is a reason for concern. There it is. 
that comment. I think this sums up the state of the Jets offensive line perfectly. There is a reason for concern, but there is not a reason to freak out. That is completely it. And that's what we tried to express throughout the summer. That's what we tried to express throughout the cream. It was what I said. There is a reason for concern. There is not a reason to freak out. After Sunday, there could be no reason for concern, no reason to freak out, or there could absolutely be a reason to freak out after Sunday if Reddick, Burns, and Brown torment the Jets' defense and are around Zach Wilson and bring him down three times and and pressure him and get to him and they're stunting and all that kinds of stuff. There could absolutely be a reason for panic after Sunday, but for right now, it's just concern. It's a red highlight. It's a star. It's a that's a storyline worth following right there. And we will talk about it either way next week as we shift back to regular season mode, which means we'll be coming at you twice a week starting next week, uh, usually early in the week, either Monday or Tuesday, and then generally Thursday uh, before the previewing the next game. That'll be the general schedule based a lot on Connor's travel schedule, but we'll keep you updated from week to week. You can save 50% off a subscription to The Athletic right now. That's one of our best deals of the year. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait to get that. And we we will be back with you next week. Will the Jets be 1-0 or 0-1? Either way, come back to the Can't Wait Podcast.